Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Wilander. This is Mary Carrillo. This is Pam Shriver. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to the Tennis Podcast. Well, folks, our women's final is set. It will be 21-year-old world number one on a 34-match winning streak, Iga Svantec taking on the 18-year-old Coco Goff. It'll be the 2018 French Open and Wimbledon Junior Champions facing off for the senior French Open title. There is so much to talk about today. Obviously, the two semi-finals played by these two young women today, as well as some follow-up on yesterday's big story involving Amelie Moresmo. And because there's so much to talk about, we've only got the one and only Pam Shriver to join us. Hello, Pam. Hello. And um, in your 10th year anniversary week, thanks for having me on. On my last night in Paris... Oh, that's nice. That's lovely. Pam, you spend a lot of time with the Eiffel Tower this fortnight. (laughs) (laughs) Including using it as headwear. Yeah, I mean, why not? Um, Hotel was close to it. It made me seem like I was really worldly and doing a lot of sightseeing. So why not? It's classic Insta content, isn't it? Here I am in Paris. To prove it, here's the Eiffel Tower. On my head. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) On my head. Um... It's been overall quite an uplifting day today, I think. We are just minutes post the Coco Goff press conference, which was just the most uplifting experience. In fact, I think I think we should talk about Coco Goff first. She won her semi-final. So they were both, quite frankly, they were compelling in their own ways, but quite one-sided semi-final wins for both Iga Svantec and Coco Goff. Coco Goff was nervy to start with but shook it off so so quickly today against Martina Trevisan and just show I can't believe I'm saying this about an 18 year old but showed all of her experience well that's the first press conference of hers I've ever been in I've I've never been in the same room as her before so it was very interesting just to see how she interacted with people obviously most of us 
twice, three times her age. It, it, it must be pretty daunting, or at least I assume it would be daunting for somebody of that age. She does not make it look daunting in the slightest. And that, that was the first thing that came through. She was entirely comfortable in that room. She was entirely comfortable out there on the court. And, and something she said in the press comments about how two years ago she thought she was ready to win a Grand Slam. And, and you, could t- you could sense how she'd been putting this pressure on her shoulders and... And suddenly there's a different attitude and it's all clicking. And, you know, you talk about an 18-year-old. Chris Clary said to her from the New York Times, he, he said, uh, do you feel like a veteran pro? <laughs> and, I mean, she, she, she laughed at the, the, the idea of it. But it does feel like she's been around for a long time, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, she, she's the youngest Grand Slam finalist since Maria Sharapova at Wimbledon in 2004. And yet... Actually, her age is something we're talking about very little. Compared to, say, the Emma Raducanu, Leila Fernandez US Open final last year, it was, wow, these teenagers coming through, two teenage, two teenagers facing one another. And I remember a line from you, Matt, after Raducanu winning, saying, actually, her age is the least extraordinary thing about this victory. And with, with Coco Goff, I, whether it's because she's been around so long, whether it's because of what happened with Raducanu and Fernandez, it all feels more normalised. I don't know, but nobody's really talking about the fact that she's 18, or maybe it's because she just doesn't seem like an 18-year-old. Yeah, I think there's lots of factors. Firstly, I'd love to be cool enough to wear her bucket hat that mm. she wore to press. Can you imagine? No, I, I can't. I'm cool. sorry to include you in this, Pam, but can you imagine what any of us would look like wearing <laughs> a Coco Golf bucket hat? But it looked cool. <laughs> it did, didn't it? She pulled it off. Um, I think what's interesting about Coco Golf to me is that she's almost gone through this cycle of when she came through as a 15 year old I don't want to say she was overhyped because what she was doing was extraordinary but you know we recorded a podcast at Wimbledon and there were people standing on the the picnic tables just to get a glimpse of her on the big screen you know it was it was Coco mania they were trying to find a name for Henman Hill that began yeah. with C but there is no word for a hill that begins with C so so it was absolutely phenomenal, and she, and she got all this attention. But since then, she's actually not done anything in a big rush or a big hurry. There's been sort of really methodical, steady progress year on year. First title, first quarterfinal of a slam, top 20 ranking. She's just made this progress, and I think what, what that has done has perhaps made what she's doing now, which, as you said, she is still only 18, it is extraordinary, seem just right and like she's ready and she seems ready for it as she said in that press conference so I think you know she's gone on this real journey from sort of overhyped I don't want to say but I almost feel like now underhyped mm. because it's extraordinary what she's doing and can I just say having been to the finals of a major and the second major I ever played when it was too soon and having seen what Emma Raducanu has been through there's a lot to say the way the slow, steady, step-by-step progression. Not that Coco wouldn't have wanted to get to a major final before Roland Garros 2022 after her Wimbledon performance three years ago, beating Venus, coming through qualifying, taking the whole tournament basically in the palm of her hand for the first eight days. But this is really, truly the best way to get started in your career, which in tennis now is not a sprint, it's a marathon. Yeah, she, there was an incredible line for her, from her, wasn't she? When she was asked by Courtney Nguyen about the, the difference between Coco now and the Coco then, and she said there's a difference between being ready and wanting it too much. She said, I want it, 
but I don't want it too much anymore. I just I want it an appropriate appropriate yeah. amount, which is which is amazing. Pam, is has there been any point in the last three years since that breakthrough in 2019 when during which time obviously there's been a bit of a pandemic going on um but you know i have heard the odd mutter about what's happened to coco goff you know why isn't she winning every slam she enters and it it feels so silly now but i've heard it and i've heard it from you know pretty esteemed knowledgeable people have have you ever doubted that she would deliver on what was forecast for her back in 2019 Actually, there were a few matches that I called with her, either in the booth or courtside, where I saw some significant flaws with her forehand and her serve that made me question, like, whether or not... Because I, I, I kind of felt like maybe the pause of the pandemic during the five, six months with the tour was off. Like, she was at a perfect age to really reset and, and develop some of the flaws in her shots better. But... Um, Actually, when I now when I think about the team that's around her, and I gotta say, having been through what I've been through in my career, and having seen a lot of other careers, I feel like her parents are juggling a lot of difficult acts really well, and they brought in a really good coach, and um, I feel like she's made some changes now in her forehand, and it's more steady. But yes, I have doubted at times. Uh, which was probably silly of, me, silly of me to doubt because, honestly, she is a, a talent that only comes around once every 10 or 20 years. Wow. That, that, that says a lot because I think people looked at her and saw the physical attributes and the serve, the power, the easy power, um, a sort of natural competitor and a natural match player, and they assumed all of those things. And then when you broke it down and people started talking about that forehand how easy is it to fix a forehand if it's if it's a little bit dodgy you know this is the top level of the game that's not easy to do um but for you to put her in that sort of company i mean that that says a lot really about this run and also potential for the future well you got to look at her junior career and what she showed early and you know the fact that she's had not the sudden rise was a little bit because of the age eligibility rule you couldn't play as much as say we did back in the day so she's been um sort of had a governor on her like she just couldn't play as much as she wanted and that question was brought up today in the press conference um and i think in the long run it's a really good thing for her but I feel like now she's starting to put it all together. That doesn't mean she's going to win against Fiontech, the best player I've seen at the number one position in a long... I think even better than Ash Barty, to be honest. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Especially on clay, her best surface. But um, the improvements I've seen, the maturity, it happens when you're a teen at different times, and uh, it's been really impressive to see her mature here. There was there was a real just incredible moment of maturity wasn't there when she she took the pen in her hand in in the moment of victory and went to sign the camera as she does and she wrote on it hashtag end gun violence which to us pam isn't a particularly controversial sentence or not remotely controversial in these parts but in in the states that is a controversial thing to say she is i mean we know she's someone that is prepared to make a stand and use her platform but that really is putting herself out there isn't it 
Well, listen, for those of us from the States, to be honest, who are covering this French Open, it won't be remembered in the long run from what happened here on the court. It'll be remembered what happened in Texas, which happened like third day of Roland Garros, where 21 people were murdered. um, And we've seen enough of, of it in our country. And I think athletes actually have such a great voice. Naomi Osaka showed it. During the U.S. Open and the Cincinnati played in New York right before the U.S. Open of 2020, the voice of the athlete and the voice of the tennis player athlete. So for Coco to recognize that, and she spoke out in a really powerful way when after the George Floyd murder. Um, so I just give Coco Golf at age 18, which is the age of my oldest child who could no longer speak about these kind of mature things in, in a public way. But she's been, they've been preparing her for this, the dual role of being a leader as an athlete on the court, but also with a microphone off the court. And it's not just gestures, is it? Because she was then asked about it in press at length. I asked her a couple of questions about it. And she had the goods to back it up. You know, she said, I've made a point. She said, she said I'm 18 now, I can vote. Yeah. I've made a point of educating myself. You know, this sense of responsibility is extraordinary. And she really, you know, that that education that she's taken it upon herself to get came across. And we've got two young women in this final, 18 years old and 21, just eager. You are 21 years old. Try and remember. Um, <laughs> who play tennis like it means everything to them. Like there's nothing else in the world that matters and then when the last ball is struck, they have the perspective to know that it doesn't. Yeah, it feels very that, healthy, doesn't that it? Perspe- that, that combination is incredible to me. And actually, Coco Goff made the point that that hasn't always been the case. You know, she, she, I really, really struck a chord with me that, that she was probably losing matches because she was too amped up, too, it mattered too much. And I always remember Andy Roddick saying, I grit you can grip the racket too tightly if you're in those tight moments. And the one question I didn't get to ask her is what went through your mind at match point? You know, were you able to separate yourself then? But the sense is that she, she could handle it because she was thinking, well, it's not the end of the world if I don't win. And therefore she was free. And over the last few years, I think Goff has looked the most comfortable on court in doubles and of course this isn't her first Grand Slam final she has been to a doubles final and I think now she looks just as comfortable on the singles court as well I think there's been a there's been a progression there as well she, she may yet reach another doubles final Matt it it's on it, it is so on <laughs> does that make you feel good Pam to see Coco Goff playing doubles at the same time as she's marauding away through the singles draw that must be a nice feeling absolutely i think in the women's draw this year actually there's been a lot of singles players that have doubled up and done well and week one week two i think that's the beauty of the three out of two out of three set format is that you can play both and if i could just quickly flash back to uh u.s open when i was 16 got the finals as singles actually had a match point in the doubles to get through to the doubles final as well <gasps> oh but choked, Ooh. but choked because I was already in the singles final and like the thought of being in two finals, so lost in the semis, but it's still possible. And so I, I love Pagula and golf in it. And I like that they play the all-American duo uh, 
I mean, Taylor Townsend's a great story awesome. coming back from maternity leave. But anyway, it's it's been a really good tournament for the U.S. Our uh, our friend friend of the pod, Andrew, has set his alarm for for four fifty eight a.m. in the states to watch that um, All American doubles clash. Yeah. That was heartwarming, wasn't it? Yeah. His appealing tennis alarm. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Um, what else did she have to say in her press conference, Coco Goff? She was. I felt like every line was was completely quotable, wasn't yeah, it? Well, I mean, she was. She was talking about how she was asked about whether anyone's had a better high school graduation week <laughs> than her, and maybe they have, but it would have to be pretty darn good. To well, have, I was. I was struck by the fact that she she said she didn't have that writing on the camera lens premeditated mm. you you asked her about that did you come onto court with a plan no that's what came into my mind at the end and she's and what i loved is she said I, I i left the court and my dad said to me i'm proud of you but i'm i'm proud of you because of what you wrote on the camera as more than what you did on the court as a tennis player and, and i thought isn't that great you know and she said that they they encourage her to speak up and use the platform and and i think she said it years ago that her dad had said to her you know you can change the world as a tennis player yeah that was one of the things i asked her i said are you are you ever under pressure from from i i didn't specify who but you know sponsors or agents or the forces that we all know exist in in tennis and in sport and in the world to not speak out to to play it safe to not you know as the saying goes, mix sport with politics. And she kind of, I, I think there was a recognition in her answer that that is a thing that happens, but she kind of said, look, people around me know that that's not going to fly with me. That's that's not me. This is how I do things. And, you know, she says she's actively encouraged to use her platform by the people around her. And that just, it sounds so healthy. And Pam, you know, we've you've shone a light on how crucial the people you have around you are and it seems obvious maybe but there's a lot of there's a lot of not so healthy people around this sport aren't they and and maybe not necessarily the people themselves but just relationship dynamics going on whether it's you know specifically abuse abusive or not you know there's just toxic stuff happening all over the place and it just seems so healthy team coco seems to be surrounded by a lovely healthy halo yeah i think they do and um you know tennis players now back in the day we didn't say a team because we didn't necessarily have a team or see it as a team but you see it now all the time and i feel like coco does have a great team and what i love is that she's 18 and her parents both parents because it's really better i think if the mom and the dad are both around because too many times i feel like a female tennis player maybe only has the dad around I actually think it's great she has both parents around now she has younger siblings so there's a bit to juggle here but I also know there's three generations of this family there's the grandparents the parents and then the Coco generation with their siblings Um, and it does take a team not just here at Rolling Garros but there takes a team back home in Florida with the siblings as well Imagine being Coco Goff's younger sibling. <laughs> I hope they have their own. I hope they're really brilliant at something that's nothing to do with tennis. I get the sense that they're pretty good at stuff, <laughs> and that they give her plenty of stick in that kind of brotherly, sisterly kind of way. Um, I, m- I mentioned earlier on in the podcast that this final will be the 2018 
French Open junior champion, which was Coco Goff, against the 2018 Wimbledon champion, which was Iga Svantec. Love that. Coco told us in press today that Iga Svantec was a match point away from reaching that French Open junior final in 2018. She had a match point against Katie McNally, one half of... Makoko. <laughs> I love so it all. Perfect. I love yeah. it. And then I think Iga Svantec tells the story that she was so mad that she didn't win that French Open juniors, that she lost the match point in the semi-finals, that she won Wimbledon just through pure anger. <laughs> <laughs> she just wanted to beat the field. Uh, you know, she always brings that up when people mention that she's won junior Wimbledon in reference to her grass court credentials. Saying, well, you must be good on grass. You've won junior Wimbledon. She says, yeah, I... I am, but mainly I won that tournament because I was angry and I was trying to prove a point. <laughs> um, I know I keep, I keep desperately grasping and hoping for the rivalries in women's tennis. That's the only thing we're missing from, from my Fist perspective. And I'm pow. confident they will come because we've got this crop. There's enough of them and they're all of a similar age and they're all so different and they've all got so much to give. It's going to happen. It's just not quite happening yet. So my latest hype train uh, leaving the station for rivalry. I mean, I'm all about the recency bias with these rivalries I'm bigging up. I'm now all about Coco Goff against Iga Svantec. Uh, give us hope, ago, Pam. It was Andrescu Svantec. I had an Osaka Svantec moment. I really don't care where it's coming from. It just needs to happen. It's going to happen, right, Pam? Well, it needs to happen. And I think this is as good a time as any. And to make a rivalry really click, you need dramatic moments deep in majors, at least a semi, but really a final. So here we have it, and we'll see how it goes. But even if it doesn't pan out as a great match, it sets the foundation for a future rivalry, which obviously women's tennis was just blown a difficult blow when Barty retired, you know, two months into her dominance as a number one player with Sviantek starting to win. We didn't know that Sviantek winning in February before Barty's retirement. It was set up perfectly to have those two be like this rivalry going into 2022 and beyond. But I do think this one has some great possibilities. It's going to happen, Pam. It's going to happen. I hope so. Why are you so hopeful, Pam? What, what is it about? I mean, I think we're all pretty much sold on Iga Svantec, who, what was it, 6 2 6 1 against Derek Asakina yes, today? You're not sold by now. <laughs> you're and probably by the never way, be. Those, the first four games, I was just open mouthed at what I was watching because all the variety and Kasakino with all her spins and everything, and then suddenly Svantec just. Best performance of right. the tournament so far. You're having it, it now. By a long way. Really. It, it was, there, was, there was no living with that, was there? And I mean, I don't think no. Kasakina played badly, personally, but what, why does it give you hope? Because we know that Svantec's got the goods, but does Coco Goff actually have the goods to live with that? Well, I actually think when you think about Coco Goff's junior career and what she did three years ago at Wimbledon and her slow and steady progression and the team that she has around her I do think she has the goods to stick around at the top and to embrace these big moments. I mean look how she handled her first major semifinal today against well okay it was Martina Trevisan but let me tell you that other lefty Martina is a hell of a player on a clay court, and there were some moments in that straight set match that tested Coco Goff, and she stepped up. And I just think this is going to make her believe even more. So I definitely think this is 
the best chance or the best rivalry for the next year or two but i think there will be others that will bloom before our eyes oh I, i'm here for i'm here for multiple pam there's room <laughs> everybody can bloom the, my, my cup can runneth over <laughs> just on goff being so comfortable in that semi-final and I feel like she's been really relaxed all, all tournament. And there, there was just a moment which I think highlighted it. After the first set, Trevi Sam was having her legs strapped, you know, strapped. And then on the other, the other chair, Goff was just sat there eating a fruit salad. <laughs> <laughs> just tucking in with a, with a little <laughs> plastic, plastic fork. fork. <laughs> and, I, and I felt like, OK, she's going to win. <laughs> Yeah, she filled me with that same confidence as well today. And yet she's she's in this situation where she's such a heavy favourite to win. I mean, that comes with its that comes with its own banana skin, doesn't it? You know, for Coco Golf. And she she said she said after the match that for some reason I just haven't been feeling nervous this did, tournament. Did, did that you were around Martina during all those years when she was dominant and on streaks like this? What was she like when? She, I mean, did she get? the feeling that the target's on the back or get anxious about all of that or or because to me it always seemed like it made her play better yeah well when you're in listen I played through these amazing streaks of Chris Everett Navratilova Groff Sellis and then fortunately I retired (laughs) but today when I was watching Sviantec I actually flashed back to the dominance of and even Serena I didn't play during that time I only commentated during Serena's great eras but literally the quality of Shwiantek's game right now is equal to the greatest of all time during their streaks and I thought the way she performed in a semi-final today against Kasekina who's a quality opponent even though she'd never been to a semi before um, I was really taken aback so yeah she's the real deal it's not a coincidence Pam surely that Iga Shwiantek has gone on this streak has become this dominant, has filled this void at the top of the game at the exact time that Ash Barty retired. Can that be a coincidence? Well, the only other time in history that I can compare it to was in 08, when a couple of weeks before French Open, Justine Anna announced in the number one position she was retiring. And I remember waking up in the States and seeing this news and being totally stunned, just like I was when I read that Ash Barty was retiring. So in 08, it actually sent the number one ranking on the women's side into total upheaval. It was all over the place between Ivanovic, Yankovic, and then finally Serena took it back either late in 08 or sometime in 09. This has been seamless. I mean, the number one ranking on the women's side hasn't lost since Barty lost to Shelby Rogers at last year's U.S. Open. I never would have imagined that Ego would have stepped up and embraced the number one position and done what she's done. But it's almost like she learned from Ash Barty. Pretty cool. I mean, it's, <laughs> it, it's a real boon for tennis, isn't it? The fact that there is a, a natural heir to Ash Barty that can pick up that baton and on she goes. Because... I, I agree with you. I mean, and I don't want to do down Anna Ivanovic and Yelena Jankovic, and I think there was Dinara Safina as well in that period of, of time. But you need somebody who who is there all the time, and that's what makes the rivalry. It was like a sort of audition period that <laughs> that wasn't it for for filling the vacuum. And Shontek just sort of said, 
screw the auditions, I've got the role. <laughs> and I think, I think she's completely cemented herself this tournament because, you know, the majors are the most important tournaments, right? You know, and absolutely, if she had gone out here, it wouldn't have, un, you know, gone out early here, it wouldn't have undone what she did in you know Stuttgart and Rome and you know everywhere leading into the French Open but there would have been I think a, a little question over whether you know she really was filling Ash Barty's role as the dominant number one if she'd gone out early at this French Open and for her to play the French Open like this which is the first time she's ever played a slam with that burden of expectation with that idea that okay this is this is your your chance, your time to go and win it. She's never had anything like that before because of the players who, who have been around, kind of ahead of her in the last couple of years. And yet, she's just... OK, but there's been little moments where we've thought maybe that, that she's been nervous, but she's dealt with it all so brilliantly, even, even in her press conferences as well as on the court. And, yeah, she is, she is the dominant number one and here here to stay I think for a long long time 6-2-6-1 today and Kazakina showed up for that yeah. semi-final I'm not sure Kazakina will have any regrets that keep her up tonight apart I mean, from I the mismatch there was the one mismatch yes. at around 2 all 2-3 two, yes, it's because Matt and I were there yeah, yeah, we felt like I we felt through with that because she'd set up the points and suddenly she's rushing in to go and polish it off. And I've been in that position and then I've top edged it out the stadium. But how well, often she, do you the, see that against the? You know, Coco Golf was asked in her press conference, "What do you need to do against Shunte?" And she said, "Take my opportunities because I'm not going to get many." And and obviously she's right, but. I worry a little bit about that mindset because that puts so much pressure on you when an opportunity does come mm-hmm. that. You know, does, does she you need feel to feel like how often you see a player feel like they've got to do that bit more, hit that bit closer to the lines because of who's at the other end of the court? And I, I felt like in that moment, Kazakina was, you know, had it not been Shiontek at the other end, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I think that, that's that would have gone probably in. true, isn't it? The same happens when you play Nadal or Djokovic, these great retrievers who you've got to you've got to nail it, otherwise it's coming back. Assuming that Shiontek plays well. Coca Goff's unlikely to win, isn't she? Does she need to actually change something for Schwinter? Does she need to say, "Okay, I've got to, I've got to do something different than I've done all fortnight"? I think in a major final, you can tweak, but you can't change too much. Otherwise, it's just all too much. So I think Coco Goff has to well one we don't have to worry about her movement right she's going to cover court better than any other female in the game today that's a huge advantage right now playing Sviantec Coco Goff obviously has to have a huge day serving under pressure fight off the break points but one thing that Coco Goff will do a lot better than Kazakina which is to pressure the serves of Sviantec when they fall short. The second serves today, I mean, Kasekina still stayed 15 feet back, right? Coco Goff's not going to allow that to happen. So, of course, Sviantec is going to start this final as the favorite, but don't underestimate the team in this final. They played once before on clay, which was Rome last year, which was a tournament Sviantec won. You know, she was playing really well, and... Uh, she, she beat Goff in two sets, but there was a tiebreak. You know, the first set was a tiebreak. I think, I think, I'm trying to think who the surface helps more. I think it is Igor Sviantec's best surface, but I think it's Goff's 
best surface and the difference in Goff's game is maybe bigger on clay I think so I think I think Goff would actually want to play this match on a clay court but just you know. just a, a, a quick philosophical point on Iga Svantec which actually uh, raised itself a few days ago but we've not had the chance to to discuss it yet in I think it was after her quarter-final victory, Iga Svantec was asked about to look ahead to her to her semi-finals today against Kazakina and she was asked, I can't remember who the interviewer was now, she was asked, how do you prepare for these matches? You know, do you, do you watch YouTube videos of your opponent? Do you, in fact, no, I think it was about the Zhang match, obviously a, a first meeting with Zhang, she was asked, how do you, how do you prepare, um, you know, particularly against a player you've never played before and she said, I leave all of that to my coach all of it I don't do any of the research myself um, you know it's all on on him and she obviously has Daria Abramovich as well her her psychological coach who's very involved and look it's obviously working for her <laughs> whatever she's doing is working very well but as a matter of principle how do you feel about that Pam? Well first off I mean having I think Thomas I'm not brave enough to say his last Witkarovsky? name. Witkarovsky, yeah. Thank you. I learned that from Martina. Yeah, I know. And Martina Navratilova <laughs> actually shared some things today on our tennis channel call. I was calling it with Caroline Wozniacki and Martina Navratilova. And Martina worked alongside Thomas during the period of time when Martina was trying to help Aga Radwanska uh-huh. take a step up. And Martina said she was incredibly impressed by Thomas as a coach. And Martina said, and Martina used to go through coaches more than any of us during that generation. She said, if he had been around when I was playing, I would have hired him. So that, to me, given the fact that Navratilova never left a stone unturned. So I still say... The team captain is the coach, and I think Thomas has done an amazing job with Iga. Mm. She's a big believer in coaches, isn't she, uh, Martina? I was very struck by her views during Madrid of the Emirati Kanu situation. I thought she might be um, open-minded or perhaps even positive about Emma Bradicani choosing to spend a bit of time without a coach and sort of talking about how she was, you know, keen on trying to figure things out for herself for a while on the tennis court. And Martina was not in favour of that at all. She said you, you just have to have a coach, particularly at this stage of your career. I found that really interesting. Yeah, and I think actually for Coco Golf, I feel like her coaching situation is, you know, cleared up a bit and you know, the mom and the dad can help to a certain extent, but I feel like Coco's been helped a lot by a real time coach. So it'll be Coco Golf against Iga Sviontek. The next chapter in in the rivalry. Yes, I'm Catherine. calling it I'm calling it that. Let's do it. If it's got the name, it has to live up to it, right? The rivalry. Build it and they will against come. Coco Golf. That'll be on Saturday. Before that, we have the men's semi-finals tomorrow, of course. Rafael Nadal, I think, must have asked for the for the opening slot, 3 p.m. on Philippe Chatrier to take on Alexander Zverev, because that is where he's playing. And then I think it's a not before 5.30 for uh, for Marin Cilic against Kasper Ruud. What's going to happen? Well, you have to read the newsletter, won't you? Um, <laughs> I, I think... Um, I'm not going to say how many sets, but I think Nadal's going to win. And I think... Um, I'm really on the fence on the other one. See, I'm, I'm biased. I want Cilic to win. Because uh, 
I've got a foot in the Croatian camp, uh, being married to one. But I don't know. I this, think this is this pro- is the man that was Casper Ruud's biggest fan I, about four months I ago. Probably, dropped in like a hot potato. And, and David Casper Ruud is now doing agro. Yes. Well, that's true. Okay, he's going to win. Yes, I, I said we've got some follow-up on stories from yesterday. Obviously, the big one, folks, is Amelie Moresmo. But since you've brought it up, Matt, maybe we should just very quickly cover off the aggro follow-up from last night's Scandinoir drama. <laughs> <laughs> Which everyone was billing as a, as a great moment for Scandinavia and Scandinavian tennis. And there was going to be some solidarity between the two countries. Not a bit of it, and I am so pleased about it. Mm, I'm reading here from France24.com. The headline is, Mother of all rows, as Runa rude trade grow up, no respect barbs. This is right in our agro sweet spot, Pam. Oh, it couldn't be any better. Perfection. So I learned the word agro and to use it during my commentary this year from you all. From you all. And when I do use it, my commentary partner and everybody in the control room laughs like heck. And I'm like, but I don't give you guys credit at the time. But I am now. Well, we we just like to to know, you know, and now we know. Holger Runa was told to grow up. By Kasparud, while the Norwegian was advised to show some respect after the two fought out a tense French Open quarterfinal in which the Danish teenager appeared to order his own mother to leave the stadium. World number eight Rude became the first Norwegian man to. Blah, 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 yeah, we know that. Uh, Rune took out his frustration. Runa took out his frustrations on the court, repeatedly grimacing and shouting at himself and the umpire as tensions mounted between the two players. At one point, Runa yelled, "Leave, leave, leave!" at the players' box. After which, his mother Annika slipped out. Following the match, the 19-year-old Dane said Rude was so unsportsmanlike during the match and talked to me over and over again. I didn't want to give him a hug after the match. He got a high five and then I just had to get away from him, Runa told Danish Daily Extra Bladet. As images showed Rude shaking his head at the net. Runa said Rude then taunted him in the locker room after the match. He just went straight up to me and shouted, yes, right at my face, Runa said. You can cheer on the court all you want and be happy. I do that myself when I win, but that's such bad style. Have some respect, he added. Rude's father and coach Christian dismissed the locker room claim as a pure lie. And Rude himself criticised Runa's behaviour on the court and said he needed to grow up. I don't know Holger personally, but I've seen on TV that sometimes there can be lots of drama. He's young and new, so that's excusable. But when you're on a big stage, it might be time to grow up a bit. Delicious. It's very hard to imagine Kasparud shouting in somebody's face in the locker room, and yet that might be why he did it because he knew that if it came out, no one would believe it yeah, because he can, he's, he can send his dad out to deny, 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 and yeah, you know. Oh, I think it's amazing. It's, yeah. It is. It is the aggro sweet spot, mm. sort of, kind of, so silly, kind of harmless and low level, but just it's, adding. I mean. <laughs> Let's be honest, we're all tuning in next time Runa plays Rude, oh, aren't yeah. we? Which is we'll, exactly what you want. We love the silliness. I've been in one men's locker room before in a major. It was the Australian Open back in the early 80s. I just wish I was in that locker room last <laughs> night so I could confirm one way or the other. I, d- I, just, I, d- I just love the thought of Casper Rude getting in someone's face. I mean... Yeah. Mm. See, Pat, when we were at the US Open, Pam does the sort of roving reports of it in the crowd. And I, I reckon you would have dug out the intel on all that if it was at the US Open. Agro reporter. (laughs) 
One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Right then, let's uh, let's address the big story from yesterday, which has rumbled in to today. And of course, we covered it in great detail. Emily Moresmo's comments in her press conference yesterday about women's tennis being less appealing than men's tennis, in her view, certainly in this era that we're in at the moment. It got covered extremely widely and extremely negatively. Amelie Moresmo received a great amount of criticism. We believe that criticism was justified. We partook in it last night. Um, I woke up this morning, we all woke up this morning to a lot of comments, most of them extremely positive. We were really we were really overwhelmed by people that got in touch. So thank you ever so much if you were if you were one of those people. What I also woke up to was an invitation from the director of communications at the FFT inviting me to come and speak to Amelie Moresmo at uh, at two o'clock shortly before the women's semi-finals were due to due to start. Um, I wasn't quite sure what the setup was going to be, what you know, what the parameters of it were, and it turned out to be an on-the-record discussion. It was just me and one other journalist. Some some members of of the T Seven were there, just sort of you know listening in. There had clearly been you know discussions off the back of what had happened yesterday. It caused it caused uh, an also an awful lot of ripples, and um, I recorded the discussion that I had with Amelie Moresmo and. Um, well, we're going to play it to you now. I'm responsible for this, probably, for miscommunication. But um, it doesn't reflect the... Well, for those who know me, what I've been fighting for, for years, 20 years, whatever, 25 years, on, on the court, off the court, for women's tennis and everything. So, I'm, first of all, I'm sorry if the players, you know, they feel that these, these, these quotes and this uh, declaration are... Against them, it's not the case at all. Could I ask the same question again then? And, and you were you talking say, about the night sessions. Yes, that, that was your, and the, the message was, it sends about women's tennis. Yeah, I'm gonna talk about this okay. uh, after because I, I want to explain. Maybe the thing is, I should have explained a broad, broader um, 
picture. Because when I see the, the sentence, uh, what was it, that men's tennis uh, is more attractive or, or whatever the word I used than women's tennis, I mean that in these two tours, in these two women's tennis, men's tennis, you have eras, you have cycles, you have sometimes the men's tennis, like now is you have the three uh, greatest champions on the men's tour of all time playing at the same time. So yes, the, the, the people are looking at these guys a little bit more right now. But before they came, it was actually the women's tour. When I was, but most of all, Serena, Venus, I mean, you know, if you've been following for, for, for years, the Belgians, everyone. Before that, you can say, yeah, maybe Sampras Agassi were, was the rivalry that everyone was looking at. Before that, you could say maybe Steffi and, and, and Monica. Were. So my, my, my answer really, and I I'm, I'm probably didn't explain it really well or, or say it really well, was to just say, this is moving. This is moving, and, and obviously it's not always this way, or this way is not always white or black. So I don't know if that makes more sense in a more uh, broader picture. Does it make sense? On it, this? Does. it does. It it's, does. It's, a, it's, it's something, it's not just uh, something you hear a lot. Yeah, but that was, my, that, that was hmm. actually, because when, when the sentence is, 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 is written just like that, It's not what I feel and what I defend. It's just more of this um, fact. Well, that's how it is. That's how But it is. Do you, Then, yeah. you recognize the tournaments and your role in creating stars? Yeah, so that's, that's the second... Uh, that's the, in creating stars. Yeah. Well, I actually think... Yeah, that, that's another thing because it's my first year, as you know, so it's also... And I'm probably here to try and change things and make things evolve, which I, which I may be understanding just, just now because when you start something or when you start something like this, you have many things that you need to understand never being on this, on this side of the, of the thing. So it takes time definitely to understand how this big thing works and, and where we should go. And I knew before that that the first edition that I would actually live not only the six months preparation, but the first edition that would actually live would m make me see what kind of vision I should have for the tournament or we should have because I'm not... Obviously, I'm there, but it's also the whole team together with me. So this is, is probably one example of where the tournament should go and maybe how things can evolve and everything. So on the, on the um, responsibility of Roland Garros... I, I see that probably a little bit better now. We come from a history of scheduling also that I didn't measure before, but, but that is, uh, you mentioned it, in the nine, uh, 18 of 20. Uh, out of 20. Yeah. Um, we actually think more uh, of three big courts, just so that you know in, in, the, in the scheduling. It's not only two. We, we think as three big courts. So, but anyway, uh, I hear your, your point still. So, yeah, that's... Um, That on, on this part, for me, that was the, the thing that I wanted to rectify, clarify, I don't know how you call it, and definitely not uh, um, representative of what I feel inside after all. Especially since you have Iga being on a run, absolutely incredible run, Coco, you know, rising again uh, and again. So I feel 
uh, that you know these kind of rivalries and everything could really come up now from the women's store. At least I hope, definitely. So that's one thing. Uh, so the night session, there is one more aspect uh, apart from everything that I just told you now, is that I inherit uh, a one match with ticket holders that also have tickets just for one match. So for sure, one um, criteria also to choose was the length of the match, which is not probably fair, but sometimes it's also, I think I, we have to change that somehow, whether it's putting it earlier and put two matches, whether it's being able, having the possibility to add another match, another doubles, whatever. This would make my life, our life, much uh, much easier. But that was it. That was what I, I came up uh, or they came up with, and that's what I had to deal with this year. And I also realized that it's difficult because of the of the length. Also, I'm not putting Amazon into this. It's more because it's actually it's not about TV uh, that much. It's about also uh, ticket holders in in the in the stadium and and uh and maybe maybe we're wrong but um we have to see if how we could work to actually have guaranteed kind of maybe i don't know one and a half two hours mm. i don't know what the exact time sh could be or should be actually i think we will continue i'm pretty sure actually we will continue because overall there's more positive than the difficulties that we that that we had, including the scheduling. So, I think maybe we should check. We should look at times, starting times. We should look at how many matches. We should look at the all day on Chatry, basically, day night. Yeah. I mean, the, the all matches on Chatry, which, by the way, are always two men, two women. Anyway. So, I think that's what we have to look at. The all day. From beginning to end on Chatrier, which maybe it's two day matches, two night matches, maybe starting it. I, I don't know. This is really something we're gonna take time after the tournament to see what, what could work in terms of also Parisians. I mean, people coming here. What is the because it? We've seen a lot of things that are difficult. Also, the transports in the evening when it finishes too late. We haven't. You know, so well, it's we're trying to go, move forward, but some difficulties are also appearing that we sometimes we have thought about it, but we cannot really fix them. Sometimes because to to run the all the subway here, it's it's very difficult to postpone the the, the end of the of the subway at the time and everything. So, but you know, we're here to try to fix the the issues. And you know what? Maybe we will end up saying. Maybe the better solution was still to play one match, one match. But then, how are we gonna do this and that? So it's it's not an easy one. <laughs> it's not an easy one. On the um, <clears throat> on the era yeah. thing and the and it, nobody would argue with the strength of the the big. But three, that was really my point. Era. But, but honestly, that that this. But the the way I said it wasn't. I understand. I understand. And it's it's a it's <laughs> no, a point, it's a no, point that I is know, made a I lot. Know. It, it's you know it's not it's not an uncommon point, but this time next year, 
Yeah. It may very well only be Novak Djokovic of of yeah. those big three. Are you suggesting that the schedule would then be adjusted to reflect that, that it would be more women's matches than men's? I mean, that, that, <laughs> we'll that the era... <laughs> no, no, but it, definitely... It's, it's very have... easy to use the era to, to, for that to... Well, when you have obscure the only big picture, one, well, it's easy. Well, it's easy to not use the era when you have two matches to play at night. Also, mm. yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry, but that's the position that we are put in, and we have to respond now, not in one year. We mm. have to respond now in this. I I hear you, and I I, I take the criticism on this. But that's how it is now. Um, yeah, so in one year, maybe we won't have this discussion because maybe there's going to be two matches. Maybe not. So maybe we have another, <laughs> another, another... Uh, we sit again and we say, okay, what evolves in one year? Well, maybe a little bit of this, maybe a little bit of that, but not yet the perfect, the ideal situation. That's... We are coming from... Uh, a bit behind in terms of, uh, of all this so um, but yeah I hear that the miscommunication and I, again I'm not saying it's uh, I take the responsibility for this but it's not my deep uh, how I feel it's not how I feel I think I should have taken the time to actually do this and explain the whole era thing and everything but I just wanted mm. to make it take a shortcut which obviously wasn't uh, didn't work could I ask what your feelings are on women playing best of five sets? If if oh, if the length do we have time? If the length, <laughs> if the length of match is a reason You're to, talking. that women are discriminated against, should that reason be taken away? I, I don't think that's the main reason, but it's part of the equation because tomorrow, when women are are you know when the era the cycling are moving maybe we're not going to have that uh, anymore I, I, I mean I don't know is it but, something but, you would consider me, or me, is it a, no, an absolute for, for me listen I, I wouldn't consider it for the whole tournament if you, if you want to go mm -hmm. so uh, it doesn't help our night sessions mm -hmm. <laughs> no I think starting from day one um I don't see that happening, but I mean, I'm open to I'm open to discussions for sure. Well, look, I was I was really grateful to, to Emily Moresme for taking that time and being so almost disarmingly open. Quite frankly, she's she's not a politician, Emily Moresme. She's she's an open book, and while that has got her into a bit of trouble here, it's also you know a very likable quality in her I like her I find her very likable I want to like her I want her to succeed in this job I really do incidentally Andy Murray has, has been asked about Amini Moresmo's comments uh, at the tournament he's playing in Surbiton and I think he's got a really nuanced appreciation um, of what Amelie said he um, he says look 
I know Emily, it wouldn't have been her intention to undermine the women's game. I work with Emily, I know her views on that stuff. People can sometimes say things that maybe they don't necessarily mean. She will want to be doing the best job she can for tennis and want to be supporting the women's game as well as the men's. But he also, Andy Murray, says, for me it would make sense that in the negotiations with TV and everything, it should just be so that the decision-making is out of people's hands because now somebody who's been a huge supporter of the women's game and done amazing things for women's sport is getting smashed and I feel bad for her because I know that wouldn't have been her intention. He suggests that equality of scheduling should just be in the contract you know with the tournament with the broadcaster and Amelie it's very clear there it's about the ticket holders not about the the TV demands the, the certainly on, on the, the night session front while I still take significant issue with that point of the era being the justification I did leave at least feeling hopeful that she is while I still think naive and um, and underprepared perhaps for, for this role she wants to hear perspectives and views and she does want to do the best. I'd rather have that than a politician. Can. Yeah, and look, the proof will be in the pudding next year and in years to come, mm. quite frankly. But I at least feel like she's going to go away from this and she's going to really, really look at the situation. Yeah, and I, th- I think she made it pretty clear. She would like to make some changes because I think her point about eras is that Novak Djokovic and Rafa Nadal ha- would be at the top of the list if you if you want to look at sort of direct appeal based on everything they've done. But the problem is it's structurally structurally put together with only one night match in the evening session with a best of five set match or a best of three set match that it just makes it impossible to to properly look after the women's game and that that does put her in a very difficult position I think there are still things that could have been done over the course of the last two weeks but that's what needs to go away and change I think Pam you've seen a few eras yeah I have <laughs> I have um, how do you feel about what you've heard today from Amelie Moresmo I know you spoke publicly your reaction to to a press conference yesterday you were tremendously disappointed like the rest of us how do you feel about this follow up today well you can't train anybody uh, in 24 hours Um, first off in this era where former professional tennis players are given the role of tournament director I haven't been for it from the beginning when it was Tommy Haas James Blake Feliciano Lopez I mean, for a while I was like, why are all these guys getting the opportunity? And then actually I was like, it's actually kind of Guy Forget. Like, what what did he have on his resume when he preceded Amelie Moresmo as a tournament director at a major? So I was like, okay, let's give Amelie a chance. I'm like, oh, let's give a woman a chance. And then, honestly, I, the other night when I was up until like 2 a.m. trying to wind down, from the Nadal Djokovic quarterfinal, it actually occurred to me, what is Amelie doing, doing a press conference? I looked at my clock because I thought about whether or not I was going to post, show up, and you did. You did the hard <laughs> yards, Catherine. I stay, I slept in. I didn't, but I'm like, she's going to be underslept, underprepared. This is going to be a mess. That's actually what I thought about before it happened. 
And then as it all unfolded, the only other time I've been equally as disappointed, honestly, was when I was president of the WTA in the early 90s, when our then number one player, Steffi Groff, said she was not for equal prize money. And I, I was given the assignment as to try and talk to her privately to say, if you feel that way, can you please not publicly state it? Because for the following reasons. So I don't know. It was just, for me, it was like disappointing, but not surprising given she's trained as a tennis player and she and as a coach. But I don't know what kind of training she had to be prepared for yesterday morning. Mm. Are you hopeful for the future? For, for ch- I mean, maybe not overnight instant equality, but incremental well, change at the very least. This is what I do know. Eras do change. Things do certainly tip. But I will never imagine in a hundred billion years that there would ever be ten night matches here and only one men's match, even if the scales tip 100% back at other eras when the women's game really was on you know, was extraordinary. And I think now is extraordinary. I mean, for Iga Sviantek not to have a match of the day, given what's going on, is crazy. Crazy. And they could have, in the second week, they could have had the legends come out with Monsieur Baram. They could have had an insurance match. They're really into the legends here, aren't they? They like, are. They get massive crowds for that over on Longland. It's a, it's a draw. So this three out of five set, we could only have the women because... Or they, we couldn't have women because we couldn't chance the short. They could have... In the second week of a major, there's all sorts of things going on. So I don't buy that. Um, and I felt like it undercut one of the great performances in the women's game in the last 20 years which is what, Iga, for, for the night crowd not to have seen Iga Sviantek, I say, that is a shame. Um, I, I think it's also a shame. I, I am optimistic, based on what I heard from Emily personally in that, in that interview with Catherine, and some conversations I've had today off the back of it from people within the game and, and people within the media uh, on the television side. I'm, I'm, com- I'm just optimistic that I think, I think the, there is a realization. I think Emily Moresmo would have got there to some degree without this in a year's time. There'd be, but I think that this will actually help accelerate it and bring into focus in her mind that 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 needed needs changing. That there's some change needed here, and she's actually in a position where she can influence change. So I, I'm ultimately glad that that we've had these conversations because you, you don't get change without talking mm. do you and so good luck to her and i hope i hope that uh, and, and personally i'm absolutely prepared to, to give her the chance hope she can figure figure some things out and next year if there are some some changes that, are, that look right absolutely i'm going to give her the credit for it <laughs> and she's never shied away from a challenge no so i think she will right. step up yeah yeah David Law in optimism shocker. Well, this is why we keep him around, Pam. He's he keeps me from being my grumpiest self. Uh, Pam, you're getting on a plane tomorrow and heading back stateside. So this is our last chance to ask you, who's going to win these titles? Well, I mean, who couldn't go with Sviantek before the tournament? Now she's in the final, but the fact that it's Coco Goff, a teenager, within. A year of what Emma did against Layla. Don't count Coco out. 
Okay, so I'll still go with Sviantec, but don't count Coco out. Um, I didn't pick Rafa coming in based on what I saw from his foot, but how can you not say he's not destined to win 14? What I want to know, is he hinting towards, is this a drop mic? Is he going to say this is his last Roland Garros? I don't know. It's kind of interesting. We think it might be. He might see certain writings on the wall. He's got his doctor Mm. here, but, you know... I would like to see Rafa finish his Roland Garros career with number 14. Rafael Nadal and his zombie foot, as as Hannah calls him on our Twitter. <laughs> goodness knows what that doctor is putting in that foot to get him around the court. But my goodness me, it is, uh, it's working a treat. Pam, thank you ever so much for being on the podcast and for being a friend of the show and a supporter. It, it really means a lot to us. Matt loves dropping your name. <laughs> I heard it I heard it yesterday. It made my day. And I am disappointed whenever I check my podcast and I don't have a fresh tennis podcast ready to listen to. I've, I played tennis this morning and was, you know, kind of knew that we might get to speak to Pam Schreiber this evening. I was, we came over here. I was thinking maybe she'd be giving me some advice. She's been dragging my game. Let me tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> she called me a pigeon. It's all accurate. It's all accurate. Yeah, Matt Boom. is now Simon Briggs's pigeon, ladies and gentlemen. Which Wait, is, you didn't uh, play Simon today, did you? No. Yeah, we played. I mean, we didn't play a match, but we hit, and then we played points, and it all fell apart, Pam. I need help. <laughs> it's a whole other podcast. He needs, he needs a forehand, Pam. <laughs> Don't go to me. <laughs> <laughs> right then, Pam, we're going to let you enjoy your last night in Paris. Maybe the Eiffel Tower beckons for you one more time we've still got three more days to come men's semis tomorrow women's final saturday men's final sunday daily pods throughout what could be better we're here because of friends of the tennis podcast thanks ever so much to all friends of the pod if you want to become a friend if you want to get yourself a shout out or an intro the link is in our show notes as always as is the link to become a subscriber to the newsletter if you're not getting matt stat what are you doing with I your I don't life? know what kind of life you're living, but it must be a sad one. So uh, so sort it out, folks. Uh, our tournament mascot is Cooper the cat. Hello, Cooper. We love you. We do. Uh, my mascot is Carter. Right, Carter. And I scored points for Carter today with Coco Goff in turn because Matt copies all of my predictions. He and the dearly departed Gerald have also scored points today. I'm being dragged by everyone today. <laughs> Me and Darwin decided we'd go all in on a, a Sviantec in three sets job. And, uh, Sorry, Darwin. And, well, I, th- I think we need a bit more context for this. David realised that he had the same prediction as Catherine and me. So I was right. So David said, I'm going to change. And I said, yeah, you can, you can change to something that's wrong all your life. Mm. <laughs> and I did. And he did. <laughs> and he did. And he did. That's David Law. Ladies and gentlemen, um, Billy Jean is sponsored by Ilana Kloss and Billy Jean King, who walked out onto Philippe Chatrier today to be honoured by the tournament on the 50th anniversary of her victory here in 1972. Her one and only French Open, in her own words, she just wanted to win it and get it out of the way, <laughs> completing the career Grand Slam. So it was a, it was a lovely, lovely moment. Matt leaned over to me and she, he said. Oh, she's got green glasses to match the green jacket. It's perfection. 
it was nice that Igor Fiontek stayed on court and it really was got a photo Aww. together afterwards it was all the loveliness those photos uh, so uh, thank you to Billie Jean King and Ilana for sponsoring Billie Jean who's currently uh, romping around her grandparents garden having a lovely old time um, Chris Albert Lee and Kyle Weingartner are our executive producers and all around top blokes and we have shout outs Matt we do, yes. We have Luminita Vasilica. Oh, I know who Luminita Vasilica that. is. Luminita's always getting in touch with us and is absolutely lovely. That's a wonderful name. It's the greatest. Is she, uh, is she in Cirque du Soleil or something? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like she ought to be. Pam is demonstrating some Cirque du Soleil-esque moves. Amazing. Next to me here. Oh, my goodness me. That's too much flexibility wow. for my like. I can't do that. <laughs> Thank you ever so much, Luminita, for your wonderful name, for your support, and for inducing Pam into extraordinary moves here. <laughs> we also have Sigal Shaharabani, and she is in Israel. Like Stephen Sigal? <laughs> <laughs> Come on, this one's better. Sigal's way better. Well, give me another Sigal reference. I haven't got one, <laughs> but um, Israel. We've Ooh. had a few from Israel mm, recently, haven't we? So exciting. My favourite trip post-retirement, 1997, to Israel for really? 15 days. It was amazing. Ooh. Wow. Can we come? <laughs> <laughs> and last one is Alison Lemaire, who uh, used to live in the UK, but is now in New York. Must have some sort of French connection with a surname like that. Yeah. And... We already know the tennis Allisons, don't we? Because yep. this has come up recently. We've we got, can't get it wrong we've again. We've got a Risk and we've got a Van Oetvank. And yes, we have. I've covered us off from receiving lots and lots of emails entitled Alison Risk, seven exclamation marks. <laughs> so thank you, Alison Lemaire, for your support and for being a friend of the tennis podcast. As I say, if you want to become a friend, the link is in our show notes. And Friends of the Tennis Podcast will have a Roland Garros review show which will be published the day after the tournament ends. We'll try and digest it all, make sense of it all, relive it all a mere 24 hours later. And of course, the tennis keeps coming thick and fast at this time of year. Two weeks away is Wimbledon now and we will have Wimbledon relive three weeks away. Tell me it's three weeks. Yeah, three weeks. It used to be two weeks. Goodness me. Three weeks away is Wimbledon, and we'll, of course, have Wimbledon relived, two episodes thereof in the lead-up to the championships. So uh, join us for all of that, and join us tomorrow for our... There's 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 not a word for third from... I was going to say penultimate. Penultimate plus one. Oh, pre-penultimate. I think it's anti-penultimate. Of course he knows. Join us for that on Friday. We'll speak to you then. It's not, is it? Yeah, I think it is. Hope it is, otherwise I'd sound like a right idiot. <laughs> we'll drag you on your <laughs> Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.